Welcome to Two Girls in a Grape, where we attempt to learn about wine one bottle at a time. I'm Drea, and it literally is the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> Spooky season is her favorite. It's my favorite. She <laughs> loves it. I love it so much. She just wishes it was colder still. This is like a months-long request of hers that it not be so hot. It's still 85 fucking degrees, and I do not care. I'm drinking red wine. I am wearing sweatshirts. Her air conditioning is still on. Full blast. Full blast. (laughs) Cozy blankets are on. (laughs) Full candle lit. (laughs) The other day we were talking about a wine onesie that my friend Erica was wearing in one of her Instagram stories. And I was like, wait, why don't we have a wine onesie? Yeah, this is ridiculous. Our entire lives are lies. So, you know, dear listener, if you're looking to buy Two Girls and a Grape a holiday gift, a wine onesie might might be the way to go. Dear Santa. Yeah. Whose oh. lap do I have to sit on? By the way, also, I'm Jules. <laughs> and I am obsessed with Halloween makeup. She really is. I, I think am. that that's just a trend you should carry throughout the year. Just do my face yeah, up just, for different, like, just, just randomly. Yep. Just, like, She-Devil one day. I mean, I love that show next. Glow Up on Netflix. It's the makeup show. I'm, like, obsessed just with it. Just go to the it. office like that. I Sometimes, if I'm home by myself, I'll just be like, I'm going to try some makeup look. <laughs> That I will never wear out in public, but I'm going to try Dear listener, it. I have walked in here upon occasion to record, and I'm like, the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> Where are we going, girl? Nowhere. <laughs> just just trying on a new eye. Usually it's like an eye, some sort of an eye look. Some sort of eye thing. But anyway. So, in case you haven't guessed, we are celebrating Halloween. This is Halloween. This, this is Halloween. 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 <laughs> um, we have a Name that movie. two-episode <laughs> arc uh, where we have picked up some delightfully spooky wines to share with you. So, let's uh, get into it, and before we get into a bottle, let's kick off with our recurring segment, Cheers and Jeers. So, Jules, what are you cheersing and jeersing? I'm cheersing to neighbors who get into the Halloween spirit and bring their air game, A game, air game, A game to decorating their house. Our neighbors around here, I came home from being on a yoga retreat for a week, and I was like, oh, okay, I see how it is. <laughs> That's right. Have I'm going to have to, like, together get it fast. together. <laughs> But Rob had done some of it already when I got back. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I like that. He had done what he calls ladder stuff. The stuff that required the really tall ladder, like, to get on the roof and stuff. He did that so that I didn't have to do it. The near-death experience things. But then, of course, I made him get back up there and, like, rearrange it. You're like, you didn't do the spider right. He kind of didn't. Oh, wow. But he knew. He was like, you're right. It does look better He's like, the the spider's a little wonk. It was fair. Yeah, our neighborhood really does, like, a big deal for Halloween. We've got a guy on my side of the hood that, like, one year, I shit you not, he had a full-on fucking pirate ship out there. Oh, yeah. He's had, like, Easter Island, like, type sculptures. Well, people do some crazy shit. There's a house in the neighborhood called, I think it's called the South Park Halloween House, and he has a Venmo that you can Venmo him because he does, like, you can walk through his yard and stuff, like, in like a haunted trail type thing. Oh, we gotta go. Do it's that. over on um, uh, Laurel, like okay. right before you go down the dip there. I did see on my way home the other night off of one of the canyons, someone their house is on the canyon, so they've got like you know the the terrifying stilts. Yeah, they had a giant Beetlejuice inflatable sandworm just like hanging off. Oh, their that's balcony, cool. and I was I like, love yes. <laughs> Uh, I'm jeersing today, because I know you're about to ask me that. 
I am. So I'm jeersing today <laughs> to just basic Halloween costumes. Just basic bitch stuff. Like, what better time to get really creative with your costumes? Oh, I'm going to tell you what are going to be the two most basic bitches costumes on the planet this Halloween. Adam's family. No. Couples. Do you think couples? Okay. Can you guess? Um, no. Barbie and Ken. Oh, God. And? So obvious. Can you guess the second one? No. I just thought of this this morning. No. I was like, oh, this shit's going to be everywhere. Taylor, Taylor and Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> here for it. I'm here for it. All right. What are you cheersing to? I am cheersing to one of my favorite things, not just during this time of the year, but always classic horror films. So think Bella Lugosi, Boris Karloff, Universal Monsters. Like, I fucking love that shit. I love it all day long. If it is from the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, I want to watch it. Um, Especially with a nice red wine and my signature movie-watching snack, popcorn with goobers. And air conditioning on full blast and a blanket. Full blast. Full. <laughs> Guy on the blanket may bust out the Snuggie. Just me and Joby are going to have matching oh Snuggies. Oh, my God. I John, love it. John's in shorts. I love it. Uh, Drea did bring her popcorn of boogers up to the boogers. <laughs> goobers. Up to the cabin the last time her and I did a little girls weekend up there, but we didn't actually get into it. But I was like, wait, what is this? What What is happening with the popcorn? So she has this, this is like one of her it's, it's remix. A yeah, it's a, it's a thing and everyone should try it. Popcorn it and boogers. <laughs> what are you jeersing to? Um, Me. <laughs> yeah, you get out. You're fired. <laughs> I'm in my own house. I can't get out. You get out. <laughs> I'm jeersing to a new house. No, uh. Uh, so similar to your basic Halloween costume rant, I, I'm going to one-up on this. I'm choosing to slutty costumes. Like, I just feel, listen. I love a good slutty costume. Oh, of course you do. I like, love it. Like, you know. I don't think I've ever actually, I've never worn a slutty costume. You but literally wore underwear last year. It wasn't, that wasn't slutty though. <laughs> there was a lot of skin. I wore <laughs> tights, converse high tops. A leather jacket. So, so what designates slutty? Like hooker heels? Like I feel like slutty is like boobs are showing, like abs are showing. Like when they're basically wearing like only their underwear in public. Maybe. Well, I don't know. So, I mean, I've seen a slutty witch. I've seen a slutty devil. That's what I'm saying. Like, and they're always like booby and like real well, tight. But stuff. I feel like it's gotten out of control. Like, no one needs to see a fucking slutty pumpkin. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is. I mean, what about a slutty pumpkin spice? Uh, well, now we're talking spicy, about... spicy <laughs> pumpkin spicy. Pumpkin. Make that put that pumpkin with a little bit of spice. You like pumpkin spice? I don't want it to be slutty though. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm. I used to be a little bit like, what the fuck with the slutty costumes? But I'm like, you know what? Fucking do it. If that's like, makes you feel good and you want to like wear what you want to wear. Because I feel like there's a lot of fucking shit that people wear nowadays just on a regular day that I'm like, wow. You know what? That's... All I'm going to say is go to a football game with your husband. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to hear a whole rant about the fashion. <laughs> oh, for my husband? Uh-huh. Oh, I'm aware. Yes. <laughs> yes, I am aware. So there you have it. Halloween cheers and jeers. Boo.
these bitches. Shawinigans for this episode is about Halloween candy pairing. Why do you sound confused? Ugh. Because I think I'm going to really struggle with this one. So that's okay. So That's part of the fun. That's part of the trick and the treat, Trick, trick and the treat. Tis the season for eating your weight in Halloween candy. So to help you out, here are our picks for some perfect pairings. Well, the perfect is already in question. But it's very questionable. <laughs> Basically, we each picked three of our, I'm going to put favorite candies in quotation marks because I don't really eat candy like this Halloween candy, so I had to kind of go back to what I used to eat, what I used to enjoy from Halloween candy. Jules is just a model of health and wellness. It's um, not true. <laughs> it absolutely is not true. I just don't love Halloween candy, and I will literally hand out candy for hours and not eat a single piece, and all of our friends who come over to do trick-or-treating with us are always like, I cannot believe you didn't eat a single piece. Well, okay, so think about... It just if doesn't you, appeal to me. Think if you were handing out the candy with... A bottle of wine to these children. Then I would be arrested. But, I mean, listen, the drinking part while handing out candy, I am very good at. That happens every year. So, we're going to see how this goes. She a champ. I'm going to let Drea go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, give me your your first pick. Okay. So, um, I will start with my favorite Halloween candy. Because they're, okay. they're, I'm not a huge candy either. either like... Unless it's dark chocolate, we rarely have mm-hmm. it in the house. Well, I rarely have yeah. it in the house. Yeah. Um, John. Oh is, yeah, Rob would eat the shit by yeah. the handful. Yeah, John is a fucking candy monster. Yeah, garbage um, truck. Like, <laughs> like he's like Oogie Boogie from the Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> like you open him and there's fucking candy and yeah. worms everywhere. Yeah. Um. So, but I do and always have love a fucking Reese's peanut butter cup. Oh, that's one of mine. Yeah, I love them. I still do enjoy. A Reese's peanut butter cup as a, like, say I'm in the airport and I'm looking for a snack. I'll pick that out because I also think it has peanut butter. So there's a, like, it's Girl, a little bit more I filling. I don't know what that is, but it's not peanut butter. It's it's delicious, though. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking amazing. I do make my own peanut butter cups. And they're really good. Again, Jules is a model. Of I do it with dark chocolate <laughs> and peanut butter, and they are delicious. Or almond butter cups too. Justin's that that brand. Oh, the Justin's with the dark chocolate. Yeah, the dark chocolate almond butter. Okay, but okay, we're what are we pairing? Topic. So I'm gonna let Drea just pick the pairing for this one. <laughs> I get I get a free pass. Oh my god! So Reese's, you think a Reese, I think Reese's peanut butter cup. I also think about a PB and J, like kind of in that vein of childhood comfort food. And so I want something jammy and bright um, to complement the sugar and the peanut butter of the Reese's. So I'm going with like a gamay. Something that just has that like red fruit punch, not fruit punch, Hawaiian punch, but like that that big bright punch of red fruits. So I'm going with a gamay. I love how you went with, like, a childhood snack as well, like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like, what would I pair with that? Like, were you drinking wine when you were 10, eating peanut butter and jelly sandwich? No, but I've definitely had that for dinner as an adult, as a responsible adult. It's actually, Rob, once in a while, will make a peanut butter and banana sandwich. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 Also, I did not grow up eating peanut butter at all until I moved to the United States. It was the first time I tried it, so I didn't like peanut butter for a long time. And then when peanut butter and jelly sandwiches came on the scene for me much later in life, 
the whole grape jelly thing, I was like, this is no, disgusting. No, that's disgusting. Like, you who fucking that. does that? Absolutely not. Raspberry jam. Like, I want a jam, not a jelly, first yes, of all. Yes, yes. Ha- I'm very specific about these things. I either, I tend to go strawberry, but my true love is blueberry. Like a nice blueberry jam. I'm going to take a pass on that. Wow, she's giving, you should see the look she's I'm giving I'm not me. a blueberry flavored, you know. I like blueberries. It's I don't love made blueberry from fucking flavors. blueberries. I know. It's made but it's weird. There's a lot of things that I don't like the flavored, the flavor of that thing, unless it's the actual thing. We've also determined that you're a picky eater. Watermelon. Though. Oh my God. I only like fresh watermelon. Oh my God. Or like laced with tequila. But fresh watermelon. <laughs> but as long as it's fresh. But I've done, I've like literally made fresh watermelon juice and made, and then mix it with tequila. Yes, correct. All right. I would pick for a peanut butter cup. I would pick a Grenache. Oh, I like that too. That's a good, yeah, yeah that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Any particular reason or you just, you just want to be a 10 year old drinking? I literally just picked that one out of thin air. No. Uh. Well, you what you were saying, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense to me. I wasn't really thinking about it from that perspective of, like, peanut butter and jelly, like the mm. jammy, you know, that part of it. And a Grenache to me has just enough body to feel like it could hold up well to a peanut butter cup, but not, it's not so heavy. Like, right. it's not it's a not cab, it's not a zin. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. How about a... Let's do a Kit Kat. I do love a Kit Kat. Yeah, see? And I eat a Kit Kat like Tom Hanks eats the baby corn in the movie Big. I take all the chocolate covering off first, and then I take each individual layer of You're the You're a freak. <laughs> Everyone, I am trapped with a serial killer, and I have blinking cubs. It makes the... It makes it last longer. Like, I, I get to just, like, enjoy it for a little bit It makes bit longer. the torture of the Kit Kat mass last longer? Yeah. I do love a Kit Kat. Oh, a serial killer. Yeah. Right, what are you going to drink with Kit Kat? I'm thinking because of the wafers, like a, like a, like an Albarino, like something white. Oh, okay. Because of the wafers. And, and the, the milk little, chocolate. Like, yeah. I could see that. Totally different direction there than what I would go, though. Pinot. I would do a Pinot Noir. Okay. I mean, I'm not actually going to drink any of these wines with any of this candy. So. I mean, we should. We'd get lit as no, shit. No, we would but, get lit as shit. Um, yeah, I just think that... It, but I agree with the sentiment that it needs to be something light enough that you're still getting the flavor of the wafers mm-hmm. and, like, whatever creamy shit they put in there, supposedly, yeah. all that, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, what about, this is one of Drea's picks, sour gummy worms. (laughs) So I would actually pair, um, and these are John's like favorite. Sour gummy worms? Yeah, John loves a fucking sack of trolley worms. He is all up in these things. Um, I would do like a rosé, actually, like a kind of a Provence Mm -hmm. style rosé, heavier on the fruit notes, um, something that's going to cut that, that that sour just a little bit Mm -hmm. but pick up on the acid so yeah i would do a rosé i'm going with bubbles oh maybe a little uh a slightly like Like that salad days yes i was gonna say one that has a little bit more sugar to it for sure yeah Mm -hmm. i think that would be good we even do a lambrusco with trolley worms 
Mm. These faces today are really crazy. I don't know. I'm not calling for Lambruscope for that. All right, fine. So Let's do one more. Okay. Snickers. The classic coveted okay, so trick-or-treat candy. Chocolate, caramel, peanuts. peanuts. Nougat? Is there nougat in the Snickers? I mean, is it really nougat? I mean, it's... Whatever. It's, it's something. It's some stuff. It's something chewy. Yeah. Um, I think because of the chewiness of it, it needs something a little bolder. Oh, for, well, and it's got like peanuts right not just like peanut right. butter but actual, actual nuts. crunchy peanuts and it's got like caramels like it's a heavy candy bar yeah right what about a tempranillo Ooh, i like that my other go-to would have been a cab yeah you know, i was gonna go cabs in but i was like what about a tempranillo it's like if you're a white drinker um honestly this is this maybe be the one white case. wine drinker yeah. Not a white drinker. Like, I'm a white drinker. I'm a white person drinking wine. Oh, my God. This is a fucking wine podcast. Listen, I know I talk about <laughs> colonialism a lot, but... Talk <laughs> me. Had to if you were a white wine out there. drinker, this is the one occasion where I'd be like, you know what? Go fucking nuts. Get an oaked, buttery Chardonnay. Oh. Yeah. Do it. Go She did wild. not go there. Go nuts. That's how much I love spooky season. She went there. I went there. There you have it. If you're looking to raid your child's candy stash from Halloween. I don't know Or if, if you're an adult who likes to go trick-or-treating and you're getting your own candy. <laughs> and you need to figure out what you can pair with said candy. Pair whatever the fuck you want with it. Also whatever. That. Just open up a bottle of wine and drink. As long as you got the AC going. Bottle number 66 is the Vampire Cabernet Cabernet Sauvignon by Vampire Vineyards in Napa Valley. It's a 2020 vintage. Oh, also Napa Valley's in California, just in case some of you didn't know. Price point for this was around we bought it at World Market. It was fourteen ninety nine or fifteen ninety nine, about fifteen like bucks. ABV is thirteen point five, which I feel is a little on the low end for a cab. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I feel like a cab is usually like fourteen, 14 plus. plus. Um, and what else? I think that's it. Those are the basics. We're gonna give you some information. We are. So obviously, Drea specifically is going to give you some information. So obviously, we picked this wine for the name. Like, let's not. It was a Halloween wine. around here. We yeah. literally went for a Halloween wine. And by the way, World Market literally had a display with not only Halloween decorations but a bunch of different Halloween wines. Oh, it's on the Instagram. It was cool. Yeah, yeah. So and listen, everyone wants to be festive, right? During this time of year, like why not? So, Drea does. I want to be festive. I really want to be festive. She do. She bitched the whole time we were doing this. She was like, "This is going to be terrible." I did not bitch. You were like, "This is not going to be good." I didn't realize <laughs> that they were going to have a curated selection of wines. Oh, you know I love a theme. But I also was like, "Oh, the wine's probably not going to be great." Well, we're going to find out. But we're going to find out. <laughs> but before we find Foreshadowing. out. Let's talk about this wine. So we we haven't covered a whole lot of cabs on the podcast 
previously. Um, you don't really love cabs. I do love cabs. Oh, you do? Okay. I feel like yeah, because I have some really good cabs in the in my little in my wine fridge that I've been cellaring. Hmm. So we, maybe we could do one for the holidays. Yes. Like a no, solid, I, like, so good cab. The cab was, like, my first love with red wine. Okay. I mean, and listen. It we're definitely not, wasn't for me. It's we're a, not it's talking a heavy hitter. Two, so. two buck chuck bullshit. We're talking, like, actual good wines. Um, I used to drink, before I started really traveling. <laughs> before she drank. Before I started traveling more and getting into some of the, you know, more exotic varietals. Like, cab was my standard go-to always but a good cab is also i feel like if you're just getting into wine is cost prohibitive i mean because they can they can be very expensive if you want a good cab and you get a bad cab and they're bad well just like anything yeah bad wine is a bad wine yeah bad wine is a bad wine but But you're not getting a good cab for 5.99 it's just not happening you know you're getting more like aging involved and it depends on what you're aging like there's a whole it's a whole fucking thing right so let's talk about cabs and i think you know let's do that most people are familiar with a cabernet sauvignon it's almost on every mess restaurant bar menu you see it a lot in the wine world it's such a prolific grape and grows in most warm climate viticultural areas. So I thought we'd focus specifically on Napa cabs because that's what we're drinking today. Um, there's a huge distinction, for example, in the profiles between a French Cabernet and an American one. Uh, so today we're just going to look at, cap- at Napa because even with American cabs, if you're drinking a cab out of Paso, it's going to read really differently than a cab out of Napa. Even Sonoma, a short um, click away from Napa, is going to be a different kind of profile. In general, Cabernet Sauvignon vines. Did you do, say a click away? A click away. Are you in the military? I don't know. I just <laughs> I, as soon as I said, I was Where like, "Where did that come from?" I don't know. I, maybe it was a dream. Maybe I'm possessed. Spooky. Um, so, in general, Cabernet Sauvignon vines do best in sunny, warm climates that allow grapes to ripen slowly. So it's no surprise that the warm days and cool nights of Napa Valley make this an exceptional region for these vines. The morning fog cover that's the hallmark of the valley allows for slower ripening periods, which helps develop flavor and structure in the grapes. In addition, there are many different soil types that are well suited for growing cab in the valley. Typically, Cabernet grapes thrive in soils that have good drainage and low fertility. Together, these elements put vines in a state of stress, just like me, oh that actually increase low fertility <laughs> in a state of stress. <laughs> Always. Um, that increased grain. Listen, I just turned 41. That's where we're at these days. She dry. <laughs> um, so these elements put vines in a state of stress that actually increase grape production and concentrate flavor. More importantly, what distinguishes the soils of Napa from other cab-growing regions is the prevalence of volcanic elements in the soils. This gives the wine an earthiness and a minerality that is often not found in many New World cabs and adds a layer of complexity to the flavor of Napa-produced cabs. Um, There are some key features that are characteristics of high-quality Napa wines. Now, again, not entirely sure that that's what we're drinking here today, but we're just going to give it a go. Um, So first is fruit. 
These wines often have notes of black currant, ripe plum, black cherry, blueberry, blackberry. So think big, bold, dark black and blue fruits. These fruit notes usually indicate that the grapes were at their peak ripeness when picked, demonstrating extreme care in the vineyard and production management. And the next element is acidity. Acidity in a cab often comes across as floral notes like violet or sage. So when you get into those types of notes on the palate, you know you're dealing with a wine that's well balanced, has some good acid. Tannins. Tannins provide structure to the wine and are typically well integrated, meaning they match the intensity of the other components of the wine, namely the fruit and the acid. Again, all with the intention of producing balance. And then finally is aging. This comes across through the use of high quality French or American oak and provides notes of cedar, mocha, espresso, tobacco, while at the same time intensifying those fruit flavors. Um, this no, not only helps produce balance, but it makes wine, these wines being capable of being aged for 15 plus years. And so if you've ever had an aged cab, like, you know what, what we're talking about. Like, that shit is delicious. And it's expensive. And it's, and it's expensive. expensive as yeah. Well. Yeah, exactly. So, before we get into... Um, the vampire specific... This $15 bottle of cab. Why don't we have some fun facts with Jules? Fun facts with fun Jules. Jules. Okay. So, fun facts with Jules. This uh episode is going to focus on vampires all things vampires and dracula so here we go one of the earliest accounts of vampires is found in an ancient sumerian and babylonian myth dating to 4000 bc that's before christ which describes ekimu or edimu one who is snatched away the ekimu is a type of uruku or utuku a spirit or demon who was not buried properly and has returned as a vengeful spirit to suck the life out of the living. And those are still um, very much myths that are alive in a lot of African <clears throat> African community, like religions and communities. These well. are all, this um, is also the premise of Anne Rice's Queen of the Damned, which tells like the early history of vampirism that then sets up like mm-hmm. interview with the vampire. Sorry, nerd moment. Love it. Uh, the word vampire itself did not appear in the English language until 1734 when it was used in an Anglo-Saxon poem entitled The Vampire, with a Y, of the Fens. I wonder what the Fens means. I have to look that one up. Maybe we can uh, put that, that actual poem on the Instagrams. Uh, by the end of the 20th century, over 300 motion pictures were made about vampires, and over 100 of them featured Dracula. Over 1,000 vampire novels were published, most within the, 20, the past 25 years. And I love a good fucking vampire romance story. I'm into oh, it. Oh, boy. Yep, here we go. Oh, this boy. This is where Drea and I part ways. Listen, vampires are supposed to be fucking terrifying. They're sexy. Oh, Are you kidding me? Fuck's sake. Oh, come on. Listen. Anyway. This, this is going to be a reoccurring theme, dear listener, so prepare yourself. Anyway, moving on to the culinary part of this podcast. Culinary. <laughs> Garlic, which is a traditional <laughs> which is a traditional vampire repellent, has been used as a form of protection for over 2,000 years. And a delicious 
spice. And it is. It's delicious in all recipes. The ancient Egyptians believed garlic was a gift from God, which it is. Duh, the Italians can attest to that. Roman soldiers, again, Roman soldiers fought it. Colonialism! Gave them courage. Sailors believed it protected them from shipwreck. And German miners. And syphilis. And German miners believed it protected them from evil spirits when they went underground. Oh, that's a new one. Yeah. I, I also think that there's something to be said about just if you consume enough garlic and it's coming out of your pores, no one wants to be around you. And no one wants to be near you when you talk. So, so I think there's something to be said for that. I did this one trip to Spain where I was there long enough and I ate so much gamey meat, basically like stewed and Did garlic. you start to smell like an elk? Yes. Yeah. One day I came out of the... Sh- I, like, yeah, it's true. <laughs> and you I start like, to sweat and you're like, why do I smell like venison? I was like, John, I'm smelling gamey. And he was like, don't come at me with any of that. Absolutely not. You are what you eat. But they nope. say that. Like, what you put in is what comes out. He was like, stop eating rabbit, you crazy bitch. Mm, mm-hmm. Smell like a rabbit. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, next. It's largely believed that Dracula is based on a Wallachian prince named Vlad Tepes, or Vlad Dracul, meaning the dragon. The Order of the Dragon began in 1387 and was a society committed to the military and religion. I mean, what's fucking changed? (laughs) The Order could be compared to a men's club today, again, (laughs) what's different? That consisted of members that were passionate about preserving the Catholic religion and to fight against the Dirty Turks. Dracula became prince in 1456 and in his brief reign is estimated to have killed 100,000 people. He is named the Impaler for a reason because of his proclivity for impaling his victims on a sharp pole and then eating his meals on the field in which his victims were suspended. He was assassinated, thank God, in 1476. (laughs) Maybe God has nothing to do with it. I mean... Very important information here, especially if you listen to our last episode about surviving a zombie apocalypse, uh, possession, all that stuff. I stand by my ninja stars. Okay. If you happen to be in the presence of a vampire or a vampire is trying to kill you. And you destroy them. Or a vampire is trying to seduce you, but you're not super into it. Here's how you. Maybe he's not hot. Maybe he's not hot. I think they're all hot, but maybe he's not hot. Maybe he's just an old gross Really? You think they're all hot? I think they're hot. Okay. See the last voyage of the Demeter. Have you watched True Blood? Girl. Okay. Anyway, to destroy a vampire, here's what you do. You can burn it. You can bury the corpse face down, drive a wooden stake through its heart, pile stones on this grave, put poppy seeds or wild roses on the grave. I don't think that works. Boil the head in vinegar. Definitely works. Place a coin in the mouth and decapitate it. Put a lemon in the mouth. Not sure about that. I mean, why? what's that going to do? <laughs> bury it at a crossroads. Also not into it. Remove the heart and cut it in two. Definitely going to work. Put garlic in the mouth and drive a nail through the temple. Definitely going to work. What is a zombie? Cut off the toes and drive a nail through the neck. That sounds like Frankenstein. (laughs) Pour (laughs) boiling oil on the body and drive a nail through the navel. These are all, 
I think very appropriate torturous type of You know what? When I die, I'm just gonna be like my will my last will and testament is gonna be like do all of these things to the core. Oh oh god. All of them. And then have a party. <laughs> and drink some wine. Exactly. Celebrate the way I lived. So there you go. Fun facts about the myth of the vampire from Jules. But is it a myth? Let's move on to speak a little bit more about the region of the Napa Valley. So again, we haven't covered Napa a whole lot on the podcast. We've done because Drea hate her. I don't hate it. I just think it's overrated. But she does think that it's true. I do think that. I will own that one hundred percent. But let's again, like Napa is massive. It's an institution. It has such a deep, rich history. For the purpose of this episode, I really wanted to focus on Napa's relationship with Cabernet Sauvignon. So Napa is perhaps most recognized for its Cabernets. Beyond that, the most popular varietals include Merlot, Chardonnay, and Pinot Noirs. There are just over uh, 45,000 total acres of planted vineyards, making up one-tenth of the entire area. In comparison, there are about 60,000 acres plant in the neighboring Napa. I mean, Sonoma, excuse me. So Napa is relatively small by comparison, and it is a really compact area, which makes the wines and the quality of the wines in that specific microclimate, um, you know, even more important to kind of viticultural heritage. The first vineyards in Napa were planted during the 1850s, and the first commercial vineyard, Charles Krug Winery, was established in 1861. Like much of California, however, Napa fell on hard times due to two major historic events. First, the Phylloxera Plague, right, which we've talked about many times on the podcast, and essentially destroyed almost everything. And then two, in the United States, Prohibition, which was just like really fucked up. So here we are. It's not until the 1940s, after Prohibition has has ended, that Napa starts to rebound and really starts coming into its own. So in the 40s, Italian family, the Mondavis, purchase Krug Estate and start transforming it into the Napa Valley that we know today. But it wasn't until the 1970s and the 1980s that Napa Valley was really put on the map with its Cabernets specifically. In 1976, a private wine competition was held in Paris and judged by a number of prominent French wine experts. At the competition, they blind tasted both Bordeaux and Napa wines, which at the time were considered far inferior to the European OGs. While an American wine from Napa came out on top. This legendary moment literally shook the wine world to its core. Like, shook no, it. no joke, no joke. Oh, it God, that's all they talk about. Completely changed the landscape of global wine and really changed global perception of California wines. That's why today in Europe you can find no, Napa Cabernet. No American wine. <laughs> oh, my God, stop it. Um, so this moment I actually is re- haven't been to Paris in a long time or France in a long time. Like, I wouldn't know, I don't, you know what? the availability of American I don't know American about the French, wine. but, like, you can find American wines in high-end restaurants in Spain, in Portugal, 
um, in England, certainly. So, you know, they're they're around for sure. Yeah. You're, I mean, just like you can find tequila in those places, but the upcharge is insane, well, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but this moment becomes known as the Judgment of Paris. And so there have been a ton of books, a ton of films made about this competition. We should actually do a Judgment of Paris-themed episode. I think that would be cool. Oh, yes. yes let's do it. For sure. And I'll just speak in a French accent the whole time. Yes. Oh, you know who we'll get? We'll get uh, the Silver Fox to appear. That's like his favorite. Yes. Okay. So nine years later, in 1985, uh, Groth Cabernet, also out of Napa, is awarded a score of a perfect 100 by renowned French wine critic Robert Parker. Who the fuck is Robert Parker? He was I wrong. Mean, he was wrong important. Um, which then really cements. Was he French Napa. or American? He, he was American, but he was a French wine expert. Oh, okay. Because that, that name is very American. Yes. Parker. Okay. Yeah. Got it. It wasn't Parker. Well, what, Tony Parker from, who used to play for the San Antonio Spurs, Mary oh, J. Evil girl, you're talking, you're talking to the wrong Hot Rob, where are you at? Where are you, you at, are boy? You are talking to the wrong Where's my boy? Spouse. Where's my boy? <laughs> um, uh, but he... You know, this this moment really puts Napa cabs firmly at the top. Um, and and rightfully so in a lot of ways. So, but, but we're not talking about all Napa cabs. We're talking about this particular bottle. So let's right. talk a little bit about um, vampire vineyards and what they do. Because obviously this is a much more accessible Napa cab, right? Like Jules and I have both alluded to the fact that these bottles can go for the hundreds, the thousands, especially if you're getting into aged Cabernets. Um, but this one was $15.99. So let's see how this goes. Now their mission is kind of fun. Okay. Why don't you say it and then I'll say it. Oh, you're so horrible. So, the mission of Vampire Vineyards, as stated on their website, we blend romance, intrigue, adventure into our gourmet products and all that we do. That was Drea's sexy It's not. Mission statement. It's not. I'm based, yeah, no, I'm basically a character from Sesame Street. But. <laughs> Yep, 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 yep. We blend romance, intrigue, and adventure into our gourmet products. Yeah. How do we do? I'm a Pixar cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> There's no sex appeal here. <laughs> okay, so tell us more about the history of the winemaker and the winery. I mean, because Vampire Vineyards, let's be honest, sounds kind of cheesy. Feels kind of cheesy. <laughs> all right, so let, let's talk about their name, right? Their let's, website is kind of, like, all of it's a little cheesy. Listen, we could have had matching crop, crop tops, tops for this episode. Uh, and you you decided not I, to. I put the kibosh fine, on that. Fine, fine. So, like, nope. let's start with the name. Their chosen name caused, as Jules is suggesting, quite a stir with investors, wine executives, and distributors, telling them that they were both crazy and being disrespectful to the industry of Napa wine. I mean, it was the 80s. Yeah, so they get started with this to, idea. They're trying to take themselves real seriously. In, in the 80s, you know, so figure you're just a few years removed from the judgment of Paris, right? Um, and from the Groff Cabernet's 100-point awarding. Like, this is an industry that has come up very quickly and is taking itself very seriously. So, of course... 
And, and it's also a business. Like, let's be clear. Like, wine is a business. It is a multi-billion dollar global business. And so when you're trying to raise capital to open up your own winery, your own production, like, you, you better have some shit figured out. And while novelty wines are now commonplace, I would say, like, I mean, hello, you can get a 19 Crimes bottle where Snoop Dogg talks to you if you scan the QR code, right? Um, In the 80s, and so close again to that Judgment of Paris moment, it was really considered a step back to have a novelty wine. Um, but But despite... You know, and against all odds, the brand has really been a labor of love between music attorney Michael Maccat and British musician Lisa Dominique. They met when Michael was on a business trip in London in 1983, and they married in England in 1990. Vampire Wines came to life that same year. In 1990, Michael began his early trips to Transylvania, Transylvania, seeking a winery for this concept. And of course, it wasn't easy. Marketing had been unlawful for 45 years in Romania, and Romanians had no appreciation, shall we no say, love loss. for West, the Western world's notion of a vampire. Um, many vintners we're like Vintners. absolutely not um, to this brand and this idea that Michael envisioned, and they had a very different understanding of vampires. Um, so convincing them that this idea could work and was marketable to a larger international audience was was not easy. Finally, in 1995, they found a home for vampire wines in Transylvania. Over two decades have now passed since that first production of Vampire Wine in Transylvania. And Transylvania does produce wines. Like, you can get wines from there now on the market. A lot of them you'll find in specialty shops, in particular natural wine shops. So they do have a robust wine industry. Um, but, of, of course, at that, at that time, you know, Transylvania wines aren't as developed as, say... California wines, French wines, right? Um, So since that first production, Michael and Lisa's palettes obviously matured. They grew. They thought about how to expand and reimagine their business. They began demanding better and better wines for their vampire brand. So the other thing I want to be clear about is when they started, they did not have their own vineyard, right? And they were sourcing grapes internationally, similar to some of the other um, bottles that we've covered on the podcast previously. So that's where you have a winery based here, but they are sourcing and making things primarily overseas. Uh, In 2007, they uprooted their connections in Transylvania and moved their wine production to California, where they now reside. The first California production was was done in Paso Robles, and the following year, they began expanding their vampire range, adding the Dracula and the True Blood lines to their upper range of wines. Okay. You're welcome. With (laughs) (laughs) another... Uh, they then established a winery in Napa, and that's where they produce this particular Cabernet Sauvignon. They also make a Pinot Noir, which I think we passed on, and a Chardonnay, which we did not see. In May of 2014, their True Blood Mount 
Vidier Cabernet Sauvignon won a gold medal award and scored 90 points at the Los Angeles International Wine and Spirits Competition. So, you know, okay. Solid. All right. In 2011. Respectable. They designed and opened, and when I saw this, I was like, field trip. We have to go. Field trip. They designed and opened up the Vampire Lounge and Tasting Room in Beverly Hills, California. Is it still open? I I think so, because it's on their website currently. Okay. Oh, we're gone. Definitely happening. And then in 2014, Lisa released her first vampire novel, A Walk in the Sun. They don't like the sun. A Vampire Vineyards production. I think they're a spicy, too. Oh, yeah. I got a romance. That's right. That's okay. right. be into it. That's Rose right. and I will be into it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so this particular bottle, uh, just to give you a sense of what we're getting into, they describe it as, quote, our Cabernet Sauvignon, it has enticing aromas of blackberry, ripe plum and mocha that lead into flavors of rich black currant and ripe black cherry. The wine finishes with hints of cocoa and oak spice. And blood. So, should we get into this bottle? Let's find out if what they say holds up and is true. Blood. We have now reached the part of the episode that is definitely our favorite because we actually get to drink the wine. Not that we haven't already had a bottle <laughs> yeah. of other wine, but it's Truth fine. Truth be told, <laughs> we actually tasted the wine a little earlier and made some of our notes so that we had some accurate information. Truth be told, we drank another bottle before that. Truth be told, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get to the tasting discussion. Color. Well, obviously, it's the color of blood, Jules. <laughs> it's red. Okay, but to be more descriptive, uh, more serious, I initially thought this is definitely, you know, like a rich red. It's opaque, but it it's not as rich as some... Cabernets that I've had that are maybe at a higher price point. So it doesn't feel as like velvety. I think that's the word like um, opulent as some Cabernets can look. Like, and I th- as inky. Definitely, yeah. More like red garnet tones and less like black tones that you get with like tones, the violets yeah. and stuff. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with the aging, right? This is a 2020. So it for a cab, this is an incredibly young wine. I mean, it's... You know, it was probably barrel age for maybe around nine to 12 months, and then it's been in the bottle. So if they're releasing the vintage, though, three years out, like most most higher-end wineries don't release a cab until it's been bottle aged for about five years. Just saying. All right. On the nose. Meaty. Like Mina Harker's neck. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> from Dracula? From Bram Stoker's Dracula? From like the book? Like the classic? I mean, Oh, okay. for fuck's sake. All right. So um, in all seriousness, <laughs> since meaty, like Mina Harker, wasn't acceptable, <laughs> since no one got my literary reference, 
Uh, you have to explain your joke. It's not a good joke. It wasn't a joke. I was dead serious. It was kind of a joke. It was not a joke. <laughs> All right. You'll know what I'm joking. <laughs> Will we? <laughs> Maybe. It's Will impossible to say. You're too intellectual for us. Uh, so the, the first thing I got now, you know, it's been open for a while. It was like kind of the smokiness. But really what I think that was is now that's opened up a little bit. Our notes that's coming from the aging process. So I'm getting like toasted oak leather um and kind of like some some we were talking like some green bell pepper like yeah. definitely like that vegetable kind i got of green pepper and note. then i wrote manliness oak manliness oak because it was kind of woodsy and i couldn't quite put my finger on what i so i just wrote manliness oak such a gendered stereotype well i'm just saying I'm just it saying. was woodsy and manliness oak but we both said that it's it's actually reading a little bit more on the nose, like a tempranillo. It's like lighter bodied. Yeah, and like, cab. frankly, yeah. I'm suspicious. I'm a little suspicious. Yes. All right. Should we get into this? Tasting. We've sniffed it. We've looked at it. We've sniffed it. And then we tasted it. All right. So, Jules, what'd you get? Uh, so, I was kind of surprised to find that it felt light-bodied for a cab. Yep. Which kind of goes along with like what we're seeing a little bit in the glass. It's not quite as inky. It's not, it doesn't seem as smooth. It doesn't seem as dark. Um, But I was pleasantly surprised that it, I enjoyed it. I'm in, I am enjoying it. Um, She's enjoying her third glass of it. I am enjoying it. I am getting hints of red fruits, and it it feels a little zingy to me. There's like a little bit yeah. of a zing, a little bit of a, I don't know. Definitely, like the I think the thing that that struck me first is the lightness to this, right? Mm-hmm. And again, I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk that up to the aging um, and the, the lack of it, but I'm definitely getting like fresh raspberries, red plum. Um, on the more savory side, still that green bell pepper is there, uh, and tobacco. So that's like that tobacco piece is what I'm getting the most from the aging. Um, that zingness, I would will say it definitely is a little bit more acidic than I typically like in a cab. Like it hasn't balanced out in the way that, you know, a cab that's like, at a 65 to $95 price point mm-hmm. is going to, right? Yeah. But that one's also been probably laying down for some time. Um, but I will say this for it. It is 100% drinkable. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is easy. And I think because of the higher acid and the red fruits, it makes it really approachable for mixed audiences. So I was I was recently with a group of friends and there was a non-red wine drinker in the group. Who was that? Um, that was Kiki and Lauren's friend Carrie. Oh, okay. And uh, our friend Lauren said to me, "We need to we need to gather some approachable you know reds." 
And because I think a lot of people, especially if you're you're a seasoned wine drinker, you're a firm believer that like it's not that you don't like red wines; it's just that you haven't found the red right. yeah. that's right for you. Yeah. Same with and the same with whites. I yes. mean, Jules and I were both like red wine snobs for a long time. Especially me, I just, I yeah. literally did not drink any white wine. And so it's really about finding the whites that that speak to you in your palate. And I think that this one is very approachable, especially for someone who is venturing into either wine in general or thinks that they don't like red wines. But also approachable not only from how it tastes, but also the price point. Absolutely. You don't have to spend 50 to $75 to more than that to try something that that you you might not like. like. Yeah, You can spend $15 and they'd be like, yeah, I don't love it. I didn't spend a fortune on it. Right. Um, So this is definitely, I think, a good... I can pour it into my beef stew. There you go. Foreshadowing. Is... <laughs> the girl, there ain't going to be anything left in this bottle. Let's be honest with one another. <laughs> Just saying. If you don't like it, you yeah. could use it in a beef stew. You can make it into sangria. You so, can do what you need to do. Moving on to pairings. <laughs> yes, Jules. Food. Do tell us what you're going to make. So food, I actually just bought ingredients to make a New York Times Melissa Clark recipe that's a beef bourbignon. Well, aren't we fucking fancy? Yes, it's delicious. Yes, we I are. am a big fan of the New York Times cooking app. You can find tons of recipes if you like to cook. But this beef bourguignon. Please sponsor us. Is has pancetta, beef, red wine, onions, and carrots. And it specifically says in the recipe to use a good red wine for this. Well, yeah, obviously. No, I mean, sometimes it'll just say red wine doesn't really matter. Like, it's going to cook off. But, like, this one specifically says to use a decent bottle of red wine. See, this is where, this is a huge point of controversy on Two Girls and a Grape. Because I'm like, you should always use a good wine to cook. And I think the point of controversy is we differ on, like, what is a quote-unquote good wine. You calling me snobby? Yes. Wow. Okay. And also, listen, y'all can weigh in on this. Y'all agree with Shots this. fired. Everyone agrees. I'm not making the beef bourguignon. <laughs> okay. So it's snobby to like make a beef stew? <laughs> yes, 100%. It's not. Well, when you consider what I'm making. Okay, what are you making? <laughs> yes, there. this is a consideration. <laughs> uh, so a couple years ago for Halloween, you know I all have a commitment to a theme. We were doing like monster movie night at my house and I made monster themed sloppy joes. Okay, these were sloppy joes, but like then they were like decorated. Yeah, they were monster. So who's fancy now? They were monster sloppy joes. I'm making beef stew. Girl, I got you're making fucking sloppy joes with uh, Google eyes. Yeah, they got from a Pinterest board for, like, children's parties. Check our Instagram for the fucking pictures of her stupid sloppy jokes. They're adorable, and you're going to love adorable, them. They are And they're also so I tasty. <laughs> All okay. right. Situation. What's your situation? <laughs> my situation is well, you're, you're also, also my entertainment, going. and I think that your situation is also your entertainment. I fell into the fucking trap. This she episode. did. Oh, God damn it. She came over to the dark <laughs> The dark side. Dracula, come I am watching now. Bram Stoker's Dracula. From 1992, I believe. I Gary Oldman, Winona Ryder, right? Fucking love that movie, and I've decided that I'm watching that tonight after Drea leaves. Bye. She is giving me <laughs> the fucking evil eye because apparently she has thoughts about that movie. I do have thoughts about that movie. Of so course she does. Obviously, I am watching Dracula. 
However, I am watching the OG 1931 Bella Lugosi version of Dracula. Of course she is. Does the, and to and oh listen, I love vampire stories in general. I think another great pairing with this would be um, either the film interview with the vampire because it's fun. Or I am super obsessed with the new AMC show. Interview also, with at the, the end of Interview with the Vampire, they're like he's driving across like the Golden a Gate bridge, bridge, Golden Gate playing bridge. a fucking Rolling Stones, Sympathy for the Devil. Yes. and he's like, like, and he's pulling out his like lace collar out of like, his jacket. Come on. Iconic, right? Iconic. It's but, so good. Um, so I love a good vampire story in general, but. Just fucking don't come at me with that Twilight nonsense. Absolutely See, and we also not. disagree on that. Absolutely I love the not. Twilight movies. Absolutely not. Listen, <laughs> no. Listen. Guillermo, I went to a talk with Guillermo del Toro once. Of course. You fucking did. Shut up. Shut your whore mouth. <laughs> and, and he was like, this is bullshit. Like, this is like the height of the Twilight madness. He's like, this is bullshit. It's entertaining. It's no, just fucking entertainment. No. He's like, vampires should be terrifying. And he is oh, right. They should be no, terrifying. I don't think so. They should be terrifying. And this is the beauty of Two Girls and Grape. We don't agree on things all the time. Oh. Actually, maybe quite often we don't agree on things. <laughs> we're we're we, wondering if we could be Halloween friends. We agree on the fact that we hate people generally. Yeah. <laughs> and we like wine. Generally. Also, I just like to be entertained. I'm not highbrow about a lot of stuff. Drea has a lot more sort of stipulations. Well, and- the best movie I saw this year was fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay, but you were like, there's a whole message behind it. Like, it was all Iconic. Thing, so. Iconic. There's that. I would have been like, it's a bunch of fucking turtles running around. So good. <laughs> all right, so. So dear, we're both watching Dracula movies. I'm just watching the better one. Yeah. So, all right. If you want, <laughs> if you want to purchase this bottle, um, listen, one of the reasons we picked this is world market. Because it's readily available. You all have a world market. World market. Um, I've seen it at Total Wine. I've seen it at Bevmo, especially during this time of year. Like, spooky season is very popular. Get after it. They also Get have, as it. I mentioned, a very, very robust website. And if you order directly from them, you can also get a little Dracula cape to put around your bottle. So I'm just venturing a guess here that Drea may have bought something. I did not. I did not. I I restrained myself. You did. I'm I did. So, I am proud of you, you are, and shocked. You are so shocked welcome. and proud. You were. So, I mean, I may have bought from a different website, loafers <laughs> with little jack o' lanterns on them, but that's neither here nor there. Oh God, here we go. All right. So, um, if you purchase this wine and you try it, and if you like to dress your wine bottles up in costumes, go ahead and <laughs> slide into our DMs on Instagram. Send us those yeah, pictures. We want to see them all, uh, so we can unfriend you. <laughs> no, I'm gonna friend you from my personal account. Uh, we're at Two Girls and a Great Pod. That's T-W-O, Girls and a Great Pod. And if you have enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy any of our episodes, if you just enjoy us because we're a good time like that, uh, leave a five-star rating wherever you And if you don't, podcast. don't leave a rating at all. Yeah, just shut the fuck just, up. Just don't Just shut the it. fuck just up. Just ignore us, unfollow <laughs> us, do all the things. Unfriend us, don't talk to us, dive into a bush if when you, you see us nice walking down If you have nothing nice to say, don't street. say anything at all. Yeah, there you go. Rule of thumb. All right, well, until next time, salute. 
Cheers. Shit, we should have learned the Romanian Bitches. word for, ch- for cheers. Oh, please hold audience, dear listener. We're going to do that right now. After much consultation with the Google, the Google, we have determined that the correct way to end this episode is by saying, no, no, no. no. we smart. So smart. <laughs>